2: Kobe in a fourth quarter. This
3: is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts, and that was the fourth one, a 135-117 loss to the Portland Trail Blazers. This Timberwolves team has now lost all six games since Carl Anthony Towns got hurt, but this was the fourth one that was neither productive nor informative. It was the same as the Lakers' loss, the same as the Clippers' loss, and the same as the Wizards' loss, and that it was a broken game before halftime. The difference is that those those three losses were the first three games following Cat's inju- injury. And because of that, there was there was a I think a reasonable lens to look through that that forgave those blowouts to some degree. You know, they were in those games they were needing to pivot midstream on the road. They needed to have put together a whole different sort of system and style of play in the absence of Cat, sure, all of that. But then you had the two games that moved in the right direction against Denver. And by right direction, I mean, we're, we're using a pretty generously low bar. They were still pretty big losses there, too. What's concerning about this loss is that it suggests a regression from that bar. This was worse than the Denver games. And, and again, the expectation is not wins. The expectation is, is to be an understandably normal bad team without cat. Just stay within one standard deviation of bad team. That's a reasonable expectation. And again, as we've talked about why this is important, is that it's important because you can't lose the season. Losing the season is a far greater loss than one bad beat or even an injury. Those, because those things are baked into reasonable expectations. They're, they're baked into the big picture plan. But losing in a way that suggests winning is nowhere near, well, that, I mean, that brings the, the big picture into question because it brings the season as a whole into question. You know, you lose the season and you're hacking into a big piece of the big picture plan. That's dangerous. There there should be a sense of urgency that surrounds the idea of this team needing to not have lost 15 consecutive games by the time Cat comes back. And, you know, just the the sense from quote unquote being around the team via via Zoom. To me, it seems like, at least in their public commentary, that Ricky Rubio seems like the only player on this roster with that sense of urgency. Rubio spoke um, about the, d- the disappointment in, yeah, and just how the energy has not been there with this group thus far. So here's Rubio. Ricky, um, you know, when you, when you look at the, the defensive uh, effort tonight, um, do, do you sense that the, that the desire and, and effort is there from guys and that this is just a matter of, of figuring things out and, and still coming together as a team early in the season?
2: Or how do you kind of evaluate that? Kind of both. But of course, uh, the desire and the effort got to be there, and it's not been there. Uh, 47 points, I think they got in the second quarter. And uh, I think our offense right now is hurting our defense. Uh, when we miss a couple shots, which is lose the energy, and uh, that can't happen. And when we take bad shots, that affect our defense too. And I think that transition in the second quarter. Really it was a killer for us. And um we gotta get better. Of course, we we gotta learn. Um, but the effort gotta be there every time. If I see guys diving on the floor, I wouldn't say nothing, but um, it's hard to see that and it's on us to really bring it every night.
3: Ryan and Gerson have you know made a lot about trying to build a, a winning culture here and and they they preach a lot about how that's done on a day-to-day basis. Um when when you do those kind of things and you go through stretches like this, where you, you lose six in a row and, and some of them are, are blowouts. It, it, how hard is it to, to, kind of keep the faith in, in the process of what you're
2: doing on a day-to-day basis? Super hard. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the experience gives me the, we keep working hard things will work out, but um, of course, when you are like two or three years in the league, you do not see that. Uh, but, that being said, uh, we gotta get better. We gotta better, get better now, and and of course, uh, it's a process, I and mean, you go through a lot of up and downs. But um, last six games, there's not a lot to take. And um, we started the season really well, and then Cat went down, and it seems like we don't find our rhythm without him.
3: Uh, and we gotta
2: figure out sooner or later.
3: What Rubio said there at the end is what I'm thinking is most concerning. That there just isn't a whole lot to take from these six games. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he didn't he didn't talk about needing to win and needing to win now. It, his words were he talked about needing to get better and needing to get better now. That's what isn't happening with this team. This loss suggests that they've they haven't gotten better over the two weeks that cat has been out. So so I think that's the place to start here tonight. Let, let's talk about specifically what needs to get better right now and and from this game the answer was a theme that had been there prior and that's the defense the expectation for the defense would be that it was better than it was tonight as rubio alluded to the defense just completely shattered in the second quarter they gave up 47 points so the question is how did that happen why did that happen well just in general in basketball when when a quarter of that size happened, it's always be, It's almost always because the offensive team has found one thing that's just bulletproof. You know, you think about oftentimes it's, it's just one player who's shooting lights out, right, and the team is just running pin down after pin down, action after action for, like, a clay or a Steph, and they have a 30-plus point quarter because all they need is a little bit of room and space for the shot, and you can just – you can manufacture that offensively in the NBA. Well, tonight – In Portland in that second quarter, for for Portland, it was was pick-and-roll game. That was bulletproof. The Blazers relentlessly attacked the Wolves with Lillard and Nurkic pick-and-rolls because that action was unbreakable. You know, to score that much, you have to do it over and over again. And they did. I, I just went back, and I watched Portland's offensive possessions from that quarter, and I'm telling you, it was pocket pass after pocket pass from Lillard to Nurkic. And when they ran it, it literally never didn't work. What's concerning here for me was that this was it evoked a similar emotion from from last season with the Wolves' defense, where it broke down against pick and roll game often last year. Right? It, it was the it was the same thing over and over again. Where Cat at Trevion Graham would be defending a pick and roll, just the two of them, and they would get picked apart while the other three defenders stayed home schematically for me last year that's what i think i struggled with most was that that was really frustrating because that scheme of trying to defend pick and rolls with just two defenders it just almost felt like arrogant just the the idea that kat and graham were ever going to be able to handle that action just the two of them was naive particularly against a dynamic pick and roll duo and we we saw that again tonight i mean I, i remember one fourth quarter last season at target center where where it was another dynamic pick-and-roll duo like Lillard and Nurkic. It was Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis, and they ran pick-and-roll over and over again down to the final possession of the game, where I don't know if you guys remember this, but but Brogdon hit the game winner on a little pick-and-roll action with between him and Sabonis. It was just that night. The Wolves would always just drop cap back, and Graham could never recover around the screen. And I remember after that game asking Saunders about whether or not that was know how they wanted to defend that pick and roll against Indiana and he said yes you know he said that was their scheme it was their scheme it was their baseline pick and roll scheme where they would try and defend pick and rolls with two without a third man tagging the pick and roll and bringing help that's why tonight I was on the somber post game zoom call I was so caught off guard when Jace Frederick asked Saunders that same question about the Nurkic and Lillard pick and roll tonight and Saunders said there was supposed to be a tag man tonight. There was supposed to be help. He said the other three guys in those actions were the ones who messed it up tonight. And for me, I'm sitting here. I'm like, whoa, that is a philosophical change. I'll, I'll play you the audio here from Jace's question. So you can, <laughs> so you can hear what he has to say. And then also hear my eager follow-up question I have for Saunders. Right. You touched on physicality, but you know, there are a number of plays, especially in that second quarter where Nurkic rolled to the pretty much with no resistance to the hoop. Is that, is somebody supposed to get in there and tag or, or is that maybe people, people not even in the right place? Or was it, I mean, what, what's the biggest breakdown in those situations?
1: Yeah, three people weren't in the right place. We should have three people on the weak side in the tag. And, you know, we let them know at halftime. Um, you know, we'll let them know in our film session. And it's, it's not, it's not to, to call anybody out. It's, it's a bottom line. That's what your teammate needs you to do when, when your, your teammate is involved in the pick and roll coverage.
3: So Ryan, that is a, a a concept shift this year. You've talked about in the past previous years of wanting to defend a pick and roll with the two guys involved in the action. Is it is that a change, or is it still the priority to defend with two and add the help? Otherwise,
1: it's a priority to defend with the two guys involved in the screen. But it is, a, is it it is a bit a sh- bit of a shift to uh, want more guys. We we want we want to protect. We know we knew coming into this year, protecting the paint was going to be tough. And we wanted to try to work to do that. We're not doing a good job of it right now. Um, but we're going to keep staying on, guys, about, about being in, about um, showing a crowd so plays like, like those Nurkic plays that, that Jay spoke on don't happen.
3: Now, did it work? No, but that was an, adjust, an adjustment by Saunders. That I think was a good adjustment. That's a good adjustment in scheme, given the roster that you have. Is it working? Well, no, but th- they aren't executing th- this coverage either we're going to have the whole Saunders conversation here in a second, but I just want to point this out that this is noteworthy, that this is a departure from the quote unquote, solid is enough Vanderpool strategy. Saunders literally said tonight, you just heard it. He said the quiet things out loud. He said, you are seeing a shift. He acknowledged they don't have the roster, even from the beginning of the year with cat to be able to shore up the interior with one player. And this change has been happening all year. We've seen it. The defense was David Vanderpool's last season. We know that, right? Because the defensive scheme that the Wolves ran last year was the exact same one Vanderpool ran in Portland when he was their defensive coordinator. Well, it for one reason or not or another, that didn't work here last year. And we've seen Saunders depart from that conservative nature and really mix things up all year. A diversity of pick-and-roll coverages, the usage of zones, multiple different types of zones. We've seen non-traditional defensive matchups. We're We are just... My point is that we are seeing a different defense this season. Obviously, I'm not crowning that defense. It's been bad. They just gave up 47 damn points in a quarter. But what I'm saying is that the tactics are different with Cat or without Cat. They've been been different this year. Noteworthy because what this team is defensively for this season, we can now put on Saunders and not say, oh, that's Vanderpool's side of the ball. And in my opinion, that's fair to do. From what I've been able to watch, what you've been able to watch in these games, it looks different on the floor. And in some of the conversations I've had with people, it's been pointed out to me that the defensive scheme has changed this year. Ryan Saunders' new defense—it's it is similarly ineffective to last season's, but it is new. It is a new defensive scheme. So that 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 is an important part of this whole assessing Saunders, you know, conversation. And we're gonna do that here in a second. But let's take a quick break. Hey everyone, want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take their podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art for your pod, Q and As with Blue Wire podcasters, access to our community Discord and an e-learning course full of uh, tips and tricks that we all use. On top of that, we'll get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those listening platforms. And what I can tell you from my own experience is it costs more than $15 a month to host your own podcast. Blue Wire Hustle only charges that, which is the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. So yeah, let's do this. Let's talk about Ryan Saunders. I see it. I get the emails. I hear many of you on Twitter, you're fed up with Saunders. And in the sense that this team keeps getting smacked game after game, I, I understand your frustration. That's That's what people do. They assess situations and they assign blame. What I want to do is is assign blame accordingly. I want to try and assess specifics or, you know, parse them. Apply some context, you know, acknowledge what elements of this I feel can be put on Saunders, what elements I feel can't be put on Saunders, and acknowledge also what elements of his coaching I've actually liked. Coaching, none of these coaching things are ever black and white. It's just, it's not just, coaching isn't you're just good or you're bad based on your effectiveness. I mean, the Timberwolves had a better defense than the San Antonio Spurs last year. Does that mean Saunders and Vanderpool were better defensive coaches than Greg Popovich or are? No, of course not. Coaching is about what you're doing well versus what you're doing poorly and which one is dominating, the good or the bad. And for me, in my assessment, which is obviously not as a coach. It's just someone who is watching this and tracking this is that I would not give Saunders a poor X's and O's grade this season. What I do feel Saunders holds blame for are mistakes with the rotation. And then just kind of this general theme, this general sense that we've been talking about that the team has not progressed in the two weeks without cat that's on the coach. You know, the coach holds blame for stagnation, even if it's with a depleted roster. It's, you know, it's hard to quantify specifically, but but pressed, yeah. Uh, that element of it, I, I would grade Saunders poorly there. This Catless group should have an identity, and they don't. And as far as the rotations have gone, you know, as I, I went into great detail on this after the Denver game on the pod, I think Saunders made some mistakes in terms of how he manages rotations in a close game that got away from them. It was that both of those games, it was – it was the the group they started the fourth quarters with that just that just did them in but general, generally speaking about the rotations though i i do feel like saunders has been presented a massive challenge with this roster in terms of not only just lacking players at certain positions power forward obviously but in needing to to saunders have had nailed this team this rotation element of the team it would have almostly needed to perfectly weave together a rotation that balances out a roster of a, a roster that's full of one-way players. Now that might be a challenge, but I, I don't think it's a challenge that Saunders has overcome. So we hold them accountable for that. These 15 to two runs that happen every game are in part due to breakdowns in the rotation. They are instances of playing personnel together that just doesn't jive. I mean, Saunders, has talked, he's talked about this. He's talked about needing to try things with, within the rotation. He has. He's been creative with different rotations, different starting lineups. There's obviously been a million different starting lineups. And the rotations have changed from there and been jumbled. Now, what I'm not smart enough to do is, is say how bad of a job he's done there in terms of rotation, how he's handling the rotations. But I do feel confident in saying that it could have been better. So yeah, we're holding me accountable there. But as far as as how they're playing basketball schematically, X and nose wise, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't hate it. Do I hate that there are there seems to consistently be breakdowns on both offense and defense at the power forward position? Yes, but again, that goes back to roster makeup. Do I like what I've seen overall from the D'Lo led pick and rolls? No, they haven't been very effective but I understand giving the reins to your second best player when your best player is out. It's what I would have done. D- does it feel like they're forcing too many threes like they did last year? No, I don't think so. I feel like we've got a better balance there. Does it feel like they are running a defensive scheme set that is destined to fail again this season? No, I don't think it's the infrastructure of the defense that's set to fail. I think a lot of it is the personnel. I'm not, Crowning Ryan Saunders for any of that, but I am going to acknowledge that there have been positives, and I don't know how many of those I could have listed off last year. For me, Saunders deserves to get the chance to see an extended run of time with both Cat and Delo healthy. I I do not see the logic in firing him prior to that. I think that would actually be a bad idea. You would still need to play the games without Saunders and in a, a new coach that just yelled more at the players. You wouldn't fix that. The, the whole shaking things up narrative, I don't Do you really think that this this group right now, if shaken up, would start winning? No. Let The thing that can fix this team is both Cat and D'Lo being healthy and operating, and the two of them operating within the confines of a system on both sides of the ball that empowers them and empowers them while surrounded by competent role players. Let's see that play out. It sucks, it's indefinite, and we don't know when that is. But as far as assessing Saunders in that, Saunders has literally never had that for more than two games ever. Now, the challenge for Saunders and for this team as a whole, again, is this interim period. Yes, Cat is out indefinitely. For Saunders, he needs, he needs this group to compete in the interim period. Otherwise, failure will almost be inevitable when Cat returns. But the next four games are at home. Two against San Antonio and two against Memphis. They need to come out of those four games with a semblance of an identity. The identity of, of a team that on a good night can get a win. That's the low bar for this injury-riddled team. we got to see if it plays out. I will be back after that first game against San Antonio on Saturday night. Hopefully, Josh Kogi will be back and a piece of this scheme puzzle rotation puzzle the identity as a whole he's hopefully he'll be back in the mix and and you know what maybe that'll change things i i think josh Kogi would have had a pretty big impact tonight against damian lillard and the portland trailblazers but we will see i'm done guessing on any injuries with this team i just do think that these
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Four games, these four home games. It's time for a sense of urgency with this team. That same energy that Rubio was talking with, like, that's got to be up and down the roster. No more games. happen that feel like a regression. The jig is up on that. Until Saturday, I am Dane. Talk to you then. Peace out.